Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to uh, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. The impact of generosity. What is biblical generosity? How does that affect us? What What does it do to our life? And what does generosity do to impact this world that we're living in? I'm going to tell you, I think it's never been more important than, than where we are right now to look at this. It's, it's just critical. I'm excited about it. Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25. You've got that with me? Notice this. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Now, verse 25. A generous man, a generous woman will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. What a powerful word. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Then look at Proverbs 22 and verse 9. Proverbs 22 verse 9. A generous man will himself be blessed for he shares his food with the poor. There's a principle in Scripture that generosity creates impact on those around us and brings blessing in our lives. Generosity impacts and creates blessing. Maybe you're new to Calvary. Maybe you're new online to Calvary. I want you to catch this church family. This is still new to us. We only began Kingdom Builders three years ago. And what is Kingdom Builders? Or Kingdom Builders is a decision we made. We'd already been doing this, but we we really became intentional and proactive. I want you to get this. What has it done? This is how we get the gospel to more people as possible, as fast as possible. So let's think about that. Don't you think we should be doing that? Get the gospel to as many people as possible, as fast as possible. We're living in a day. Somebody asked me, I mentioned it last week, Pastor. Are we in the end times? Well, according to Acts 2, we've been in the end times for 2,000 years. Pastor, could the Lord come back now? Yes, he could. The stage is set. We don't know when, and we don't know when that hour is going to come. For you and I as believers, the return of the Lord is something exciting. It's going to be amazing. We, We have heaven and the blessing of God to look forward to. But at the same time, the coming of the Lord should motivate us to realize there are billions of people on this planet that need to know who Jesus is. Somebody has said one time, a famous pastor uh, who made this statement during the Great Depression in this country, when people were struggling about caring, I'm worried about what's going on in my life, how can I think about someone else's life? And he asked this question. He said, "Is is it fair for any man to hear the gospel twice before every man has heard the gospel once? I want to say that again. What a question. Is it fair for any man to hear the gospel twice before every man has at least heard the gospel once? And so there's a motivation inside of us. There's an appreciation for what God has done. And so kingdom builders is how we get the gospel to as many people as possible as quickly as possible. What I love about kingdom builders is everyone can be involved. Everyone can be involved at any level that we're capable of doing that. It's how we become proactive as as we're learning and I share with you. For instance, partnering with with ministries like Convoy of Hope. We don't have to wait until a hurricane hits Louisiana and then we come back and take an offering and then we send the offering. By partnering ahead of time, by being proactive, we're there the day it happens. 
We're helping them the moment it's there. It becomes proactive. When, when uh, doors come open in other countries to preach the gospel that have been closed, when there's catastrophe there, open doors there, crisis or opportunity, proactively, we're already there. It, it, it is a, an income stream that's connected to the vision that God has given the church. Locally, uh, it allows us to have the Dream Center. It allows us to partner with, with ladies that have been bound in alcohol and drug addiction and see God turn their life around. It, it allows us to have a, a home for them where they live for 12 months in safety and security to meet Christ and, and see their life change and begin work therapy. And, and, and you'll hear testimony from, from a husband of a lady uh, this month whose life was changed and their marriage was saved. It's amazing. It's how we reach missionaries and put them on the ground at preaching the gospel. It's how we reach unreached people groups. It's stunning. But let me give you something that we're, we're going to celebrate this moment. We've only completed our third year, our third year of, of uh, kingdom builders, of giving over and above our tithe. It's not tithe. It's what we give over and above. It's something we pray about and we study. But I want, I want you to get this. In, in three years to this point, this, I want you to see a figure here. I want you to put this up. This is absolutely amazing. Are you ready? Look at this. Since 2017, this church in Kingdom Builders has given $853,890 to Kingdom Builders. Come on, church. Get, stand up. Come on, let's stand up. And, and at home, you stand up. Come on, let's thank God and let's celebrate this victory of this church. It's amazing. $853,890. We serve a mighty God. Come on, God's faithful. And you guys... Thank you. You can be seated, but I just, you know, that's not a little thing. That's a huge thing. That's a huge thing. Thousands and thousands of lives on every continent we've been able to partner. Now, look at this. i got to be honest. This is, this is what's going, always happened here. 853890 has been given, and what have we given away? Is it sitting in a bank somewhere collecting dust? No, we've given away 863000 $419. So we've given $9,500 more than came in designated. Why? Because there was need and we met the need and we went for the need. And this isn't money that goes in a bank account to pay utilities in this church to do those kind of things. This is for Dream Center and missionaries and outreach and projects and allows us to do what we do. And we've been faithful to make sure it hits there. Church family, your giving has been amazing been amazing and i'm excited you know what we're going to do this year this is going to on, during this fourth year you're ready we're going to celebrate the day it happens we're going to go over a million dollars this year come on let's praise god for that that's a stunning amount of money we're going to go over a million dollars this year and, and we're going to celebrate the day it happens somewhere between now and next year at this time it's going to happen i'm just so thankful and excited about it so what we do in september is that we begin to think about these ministries. We celebrate these victories and we, we, we pray. We begin to pray, God, so what's my part in Kingdom Builders? We don't give out of just emotion, out of pressure. We take a month to pray and, and listen and let God talk to us. And I love that about Kingdom Builders. It's spiritually developing this church. Men and women have had to learn how to pray and hear the voice of God. God, what do you want me to do? What's my part in this? Lead me and guide me. So it's, it's made great spiritual development in our church family. It's allowed people to see how God responds to faith and obedience. And again, the bottom line, it's impacted thousands and thousands of people. This year, I want to uh, focus the perspective during the month of September on the impact 
of generosity, the impact of generosity. Hey, let's be honest. 2020 has been some kind of year. <laughs> this has been some kind of year. Tell the truth. Somebody told me recently, they said, I feel like 2020 has lasted 10 years. Uh, am I telling the truth? It's been, it's been something else. It has been some kind of year. And we're still trying to figure it out. It's all in real time and it's coming fast and furious and, and we're walking through it and looking at our lives and trying to respond. And I want to tell you something. I've, I've had some people say to me, Pastor, are we going to do Kingdom Builders this year? Do, do you think we ought to just, you know, let's, let's don't do anything like that this year. You know, what I, you know what I know? I know that God's Word is true every year despite what's going on around me. I know that the need is the same every year despite what's going on around us. And listen, I want you to get this. In this 2020 year, I have to tell you this. I am more excited about Kingdom Builders this year than any year we've done it. Do you know why? Listen to me. I've discovered something during the coronavirus. I've watched it happen. We've seen it here at Calvary. It seems like generosity in the midst of a crisis creates even a greater impact than it ever has before. When we are generous with our time, with our talent, with our treasure, when a crisis is going on, it seems to impact people in a greater way. We are seeing that happen. I've shared the testimonies of God supplying our, our uh, outreaches, our adopt-a-block, our feeding ministry. We've, again, since April, we have fed more people each month than the whole last year of 2019 together. In other words, five times already in the corona crisis, we have given five years worth of food together in the last five months. Can anybody thank God for that? It's amazing. I want you to get this. Generosity in a crisis has greater impact on those we bless than any other time. It's just outstanding. And this is the other part of that that we've discovered, all right? It seems also when we're generous during a crisis that there's a greater response from heaven at that moment. Let me show you a couple of examples. Go to Genesis 26, verses 1 through 3. Genesis 26, 1 through 3. Do you see why I'm excited about this? I know what God's going to do through our church. I know what God's going to do in our lives individually. I know what's happened to Phyllis and I taking this journey. It's become something each year we, we look at each other and we pray and we say, you know, <laughs> you, you kind of get that thing. You've seen the faithfulness of God and you start having some of that crazy faith. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, some of that crazy faith. When life stops being boring and you get on the crazy faith place and you just say, What's he going to do this time? You, what, what do you think we're going to do? How, how's he going to do it? So watch this. In a crisis, the impact of generosity seems to be greater than ever. Watch this. There was a famine in the land besides the previous famine in Abraham's time. We're talking about his son Isaac. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. Let's go to verse 2. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt. Now remember Abraham, his father, had done that. There had been a famine. He left his place of calling, went down to Egypt. Great trouble happened there. He says, don't go down to Egypt. Don't repeat the mistakes of your father. Don't let circumstances dictate your obedience. Live in the land where I tell you to live, right? Watch what happens. Verse 3, stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you, and I will bless you, for to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. So he said, Isaac, I know your father 
ran away in the crisis. And it resulted in sin and, and loss for the family. I know that's the easiest thing to do in a crisis is react and run. But he said, I want you to stay. And he said, if you will stand in the crisis, you're going to watch me be with you. So what did Isaac do? Let's drop down and let's look at verse number 12. Let's see what happens in crisis when we're obedient. So what did Isaac Now remember there was a famine in the land. How many heard what I said? It would be easy. I heard one person say amen. How many heard what I said? Thank you. So it would be easy in a famine not to go plant a crop. Let's be logical. When it's dry and it's not raining, don't waste your seed in the dry ground. But God told Isaac, you stay where I called you and I'm going to show up. So Isaac took God at his word. And what did he do? Planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold. Why? Because the Lord was with him. You know what I think happens in crisis? God, pardon me, is looking for someone to partner with. He says, everybody else is running from the crisis. I'm trying to find some folks who'll step up in the crisis. I want to show myself, <coughs> excuse me, I want to show myself strong. I want to reveal myself. It's powerful. Let's look at this verse, 2 Chronicles 16, 9. 2 Chronicles 16, 9. I love this out of the King James translation. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Wow. You get that picture? God's looking at the whole planet. He's looking right now to and fro. God's on a mission. To do what? To show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Right now, God's not intimidated by my crisis. Right now, God's not walking the gate, the, the glory of heaven, wringing his hands, having... I'm going to get through this, having a staff meeting with the angels saying, what are we going to do about the virus? God is not wearing a mask. Now we are, so don't get excited. But he's not wearing a mask. He's not social distancing from us. He's not afraid of what's happening right now. He says, I'm looking everywhere I can to connect real close to somebody. God's trying to get real close to you, trying to get right up next to you and say, I got you. I'm with you. And if you'll give me an opportunity, I'm going to show you how big and strong and great I am in this month. It is an absolutely perfect time. I'm excited about it. To understand generosity then, we see what God does in the crisis when we're generous. But I want to make sure we get this term generosity. What does it mean? Well, we have to look at the source of it. That's God. He's our example. What does generosity look like? Look in your Bibles, 1 John 3, 16. 1 John 3, 16. Let's look at this. What does generosity look like? When we look at God, when we look at generosity, what's that picture? What does it say to us? Watch this. This is how we know what love is. Okay? Well, we throw that word love around, don't we? We say I love hot dogs. And we say, I love my wife. I hope it's not the same love. You know, we say, I love hamburgers. And you say, I love my children. I hope that's not the same love. Some would say, I, I know some of you. I know some of you. You even had to put three O's in the middle of the word. I love the tide. I love Auburn. And then we come to church and say, I love you, Lord. I hope it's not the same. It's not the same. Tell me it's not the same. Help me out. Tell me that's not the same love. So we throw love around, don't we? 
But the thing I love about God is that he demonstrates what love's like. How many hear me? Okay. Have you got the, have you got the Labor Day blues on me this morning? I can't tell. Did okay. So what? This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Wow. You get that? That's love. He laid down his life for us. Watch this. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Look at verse 17. If anyone has material possession and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Wow. Verse 18. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Isn't that amazing? He said, do you want to know what love looks like? Look at the cross. You want to know what love really means? Look at Jesus Christ coming. And then he says, how can we say we love God when we have the ability to help someone in need and we don't do it? He says, don't just be in it. Don't do it in words. Do it in truth. Do it in action. Do what you can do. So generosity is literally living out the character and the nature of Jesus. It's literally doing what he did for us. That's generosity. That's what we look. Think about it. Quote it with me. King James translation. Quote John 3.16. That's 1 John. Quote John 3.16. Think about love. Again, for God so loved whom? The world. What did he do? That he gave. Did you get that? For God so loved the world that he gave. What? His only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have what? Everlasting or eternal life. Generosity is motivated by the love of God. Motivated by the love of God. Listen to the statement. You may able to get, be able to give without loving. You can give without loving. Did you know that? You can, you can uh, begrudge everything you give. You, you can give and not love. But listen, you cannot love without giving. You get that? You can give without love, but you can't love without giving. See, the heart of God begins to motivate us to do what he did for us. We're motivated by our love for God. We're, we're motivated by our gratitude for what we received. How many have been blessed to be a believer? How many are thankful you heard the gospel? How many are thankful somebody told you about Jesus? Every once in a while in my prayer life, because I ask God for a lot of things, I say, today, God, let's just talk about what I'm thankful for. And I start with God. I said, Father, thank you that you love this world so much that you gave us Jesus. And then I say, Jesus, thank you that you came and died on my cross for my sin. And then I begin to thank God for my mom and dad. I didn't have to be born in that family. How many understand what I'm saying? I was born in that family. Thank you, God. My mom and dad told me about Jesus, educated me, taught me, brought me to church. Thank you for that. God, then I say, God, I want to thank you for my wife, God. Thank you for my family. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the opportunity. And, and it, man, I love my thank you days because I've been blessed. Anybody been blessed? I'm motivated by the blessing of God. I've got too much to keep to myself. Anybody feel that way here today? And you know what? I'm motivated because I want to make a difference in this world. How many of you want to make a difference? I've been too blessed just to take it all up. How many can say amen to that? I don't want to live my life and I've just sucked down oxygen and occupied space. I want to make a difference. Anybody want to make a difference? I want to leave a footprint. I want to make an impact. I want the world to be better. I want to make a deposit. I want you to listen to me. I want to leave more than I take with me. I want to put more here than when I go. I want to leave it here. I want to make an impact. I want to make a difference. And that's why we do kingdom builders by ourselves individually. The task of winning the world of Jesus looks too big. But when we begin to put it together, there's nothing impossible for us to do. 
It's the goodness of God that motivates us. I, I, I chose the term impact. Look at this. The impact of generosity. Look at this definition of impact. I want you to read it and see it so you'll remember it. Look at impact. The action of one object coming forcibly in contact to another. All right? That's impact. What is it? The action of one object coming forcefully in contact with another. You know what I believe God is saying to us right now? Generosity will forcefully impact the pain, the sorrow, the hurt, the weakness that's going on in this world today. You know what generosity do? Generosity will impact our tendency to be selfish and afraid. Do you know right now I'm watching this coronavirus and it's like Satan has released a spirit of fear. People are fearful. It's everywhere. There's an intimidation. There's a fearfulness. And you know what happens when you become fearful? Your eyes get focused on yourself. You begin to isolate yourself. You begin to be afraid. You lose your purpose, your calling, your, your joy, your peace. I'm afraid. I'm fearful. And you know what generosity does? It walks up to fear and impacts that fear and says you got to get out of my way you know it's, it's football season is about to come back the wives are going oh man and the husbands are excited <laughs> Dallas Cowboys kick off next Sunday night at 720 and I'm going to be watching that because that's God's team on earth anyway so, <clears throat> so, 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 so watch Here, here's what I learned in football why why do they have the big boys on the, on the line, the blockers? Why do they put the big boys there? Because they want to create impact. And so this big guy, boom, impacts the guy in front of him. And if he impacts him hard enough, he pushes him out of the way. And then the little fancy running backs that get paid all the money and get all the glory, they run through the hole the impact made. You understand that Satan has strongholds all over the lives of hurting men and women right now. The stronghold of fear, the stronghold of, of discouragement, the stronghold of confusion. And generosity walks right up to the strongholds of this culture and impacts it. And the gospel runs right through into their life. Something has to impact the status quo of the culture we're living in today. Let's be honest. In our own lives, some things need to be impacted. Somebody say amen to that. I need an impact. I need the action of an object, the power of generosity coming forcibly into contact with me. And, and, and what happened, it begins to move it. It begins to shift it. It begins to go somewhere. I'm thankful for that. You know, guys, generosity, to be honest, is a heart response. It's a heart response. It's a mindset. It means that I have something that's valuable. I begin to live like Abraham. I'm going to live like the father of our faith. We begin to say, you know, God bless me to be a blessing. I'm not, I'm not the guy down here that's always got my hand out begging. I'm the guy that's being a blessing to what's going on. How many can see that? We need to stop praying like we're beggars. God, give me a handful and start praying like the blessers. God, flow through me. God, do something through me. God, make a difference through me. Generosity will change the way you look at your life. It is a blessing from God. It's how Jesus lived. It's, it was kind. It was unselfish. You know, generosity, I love this. We need this in this moment. Is unafraid of lack. Generosity is unafraid of lack. Generosity is not focused on what I don't have. It's focused about giving what I do have. It's being a blessing where I go. It's not always counting all the things that are going to be left over. It's saying I have a moment to be a miracle delivery agent and I'm going to hit this moment right on the head. I'm going to take my moment. Generosity will free you from fear. 
from selfishness, from insecurity, from lack. It radically changes everything. And at this moment, I believe the eyes of the Lord going to and fro around the earth. God is seeking people who will reflect his character and model his generosity. I want to be one of those people. God delights to bless the generous and he shows himself strong on their behalf. Let me, let me show you, uh, I, I, I want to be honest, I think this is going to be maybe kind of my last scripture for the day. But I'm not through preaching. I just wanted to, let's look at 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. I'm going to, I'm going to teach some more on this passage, but I just want to read it right now. 2 Corinthians 9 6. You got to see this. What I, the statement I just made is that God is seeking people who reflect his character and model his generosity. God's looking for that. I'm excited about getting the attention of God. You like that phrase? I want to get the attention of God. I want the eyes of God to be on Calvary. I want the eyes of God to be looking at his people and his church. And for God to be having a moment to look at us and for, for generosity to begin to be my lifestyle. You know, it's not just money. We need to be generous with our time. Generous with our time. You know, sometimes five minutes of your time could change somebody's life. Pick that phone up and make that call to that person. Stop a minute. When you see that coworker, you can obviously they're having trouble. Stop for a minute. Pray for that person. Stop for a minute. Listen to that person. Take a minute and stop. Listen to what's going on. God, let me be generous with my time. Let me be generous with my talent. God, there's some things that you've given me the ability to do. How can I bless somebody with that? Generosity begins to change the way we look at things. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15. I'll just read through this. I want you to follow along. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Remember Isaac in Genesis 12 each, uh, or 26? Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's generosity. Now watch this. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things... At all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Look at verse 10. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower, God supplies us, and bread for our food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. That's every part of your life. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God simply says, I'm looking for a place to partner. I'm looking for someone who will allow me to do my work on this earth. And I want you to look at this in in, in these closing moments today. I want you to think of this. One of the things I love about generosity is what I call the equality of generosity. It's stunning. It's stunning. Everyone can be generous. Everyone's not rich. How many are listening to me? But everyone can be generous. Generosity is not what I do compared to someone else. It's what I do in obedience to God. Generosity is a heart condition. It's a mindset. It's a way I live my life. It's an understanding that God's in control. And so every Christian can be generous. Every believer can live this generous lifestyle. Every Christian can be used by God to impact 
the status quo that's going on. We all have something to give. The grace of God, the, the gospel, the good news. We're called ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We, we are all equal. Watch this. We're all equal in generosity. I want you to get this. But by design, we're very diverse in how we do it. That's the body of Christ. I want you to think with me. We're missing this in our culture. We get to model this right now. We're equal in the eyes of God. We're equal in our generosity, but we're diverse in the way he designed us. Think about the parts of the body of Christ, all the different members of your body. That was the picture God made. And yet if you put them together, we become the body of Christ. I want you to think of this. See what happens. We miss this. Diversity shouldn't separate and isolate us. Our diversity should cause us to think, wait a minute. I need somebody else. I'm the hand. I need an arm. I'm the arm. I need a shoulder. I'm the foot. I need a leg. I'm the shin. I need a knee. Instead of grouping ourselves around people just like us, our diversity is the signal from God that I need people that are different than I am, who have a gift I don't have, who have a talent I don't have. The very logic of diversity is that it was created to bring unity. How many hear what I'm saying right now? That's the power of the wisdom of God. And so as the church, we begin to realize, I can't change the world, but we can change the world. I can't give a million dollars, but we can give a million dollars. We can do something that's so far beyond what we even thought or imagined, but it's happening right now. And it begins to tell us that we can do this. You understand, when we try to fulfill our purpose apart from God's plan, we're never going to be fulfilled. It's never going to work. Think about Moses. Moses knew something was in him. I'm here to change the world. I have a calling on my life. I'm supposed to make a difference. I'm supposed to make an impact. I'm supposed to be used by God. And he began to walk around and realize, although I'm in Pharaoh's house, I'm not an Egyptian, I'm a Jew. And he was watching all his Jewish brothers and sisters being mistreated and enslaved. And growing inside of him is the awareness, I'm supposed to do something about this. What's going on isn't good. I need to make a difference. But when we try to fulfill our purpose apart from God, it never works. And so Moses runs over and kills an Egyptian who's abusing a Jew. And the next day, his picture's on the wall at the post office in Cairo. And he's a fugitive running for his life. Because he tried to fulfill his purpose as a deliverer apart from the will of God. Have you ever thought about this? It took him 40 years in the desert to come back and do what God called him to do. How many Jewish slaves died in that 40 years. How many hardships did they go through because he misunderstood how to fulfill his purpose? But when he came back the second time in the will of God, with the power of God, with the purpose of God, he walks into his calling as a deliverer, not in the power of man, but in the power of God. And the miracles back him up. And he brings the people out. You understand that, that, that what we, all of us, listen, I want you to help you, help you. All of us have this sense in us as a believer. The nature of God is to be generous and impact this world. And when we do not live that out, we become frustrated. We become misguided. We try to do things our own way. We, we, we begin to see the failure of our strength. But when we step into the purpose of God, when we begin to allow the heart of God to flow through us, things begin to happen. Think about David keeping his father's sheep. Inside that man was the heart of a warrior. 
Inside that young man was the heart of a worshiper. Inside that young man was the calling to be a king. And he's walking there following those sheep, thinking, how am I going to be a king? Who's going to think about this? Have you ever thought about, think about all the Psalms David wrote. Do you know many of them were written as that young boy watching those sheep? Have you ever thought David may have been saying, who's going to sing these songs? Why has God given me these songs? Why am I out here by myself? I, I, I feel a calling to lead. I feel a calling to worship. I love the presence of God. I wish that I could go in the temple. I wish that I could see the glory of God. I wish that I could make a difference in my life. But all I'm doing out here is walking around behind stinking sheep. The only people that hear me sing are sheep. The only note they know is bah. Can't even get a choir together out here. I can't have time to play my harp because I'm killing lions and bears. But then that day came. When he walked into the face of a giant and everything God had put in his heart for all those years that seemed like they were never going to happen. Are you listening to me? This opportunity came for the generous, overcoming spirit of God to allow him to step into his destiny. I'll take a time. I won't read it. But today I want you to go sometime this week and read about Esther in Esther chapter 4. She had become the queen. She was a refugee, an orphan, growing up in her cousin Mordecai's house. And somehow, supernaturally, she's elevated to become the queen of the most powerful nation on the earth. And things are looking good, but God had a better plan for her. Are you with me? And and, and now the plan that is, is hatched out of hell to annihilate the Jews. And her cousin Mordecai says, come here. Do you know why you're the queen right now? Do you know why you have all this power and wealth and influence? God put you here for this moment because people need you. And this is what she said. People, we don't see that. She said, you know, if I go to the king unannounced, he can take my life. That's the law. And listen. And she said, he hasn't called me into his presence in 30 days. Read about it, chapter 4. 30 days. So now what happens? She's walking around going, I don't think he likes me anymore. Come on. I, it's been 30 days. This is the longest we've ever been separated. The king hasn't looked at me in 30 days. He hasn't spoken to me in 30 days. You know how then the security, and, and you know, you poor ladies worry about so many things that the guys don't care. You can tell the difference. You look better than they do. You know, so Esther was looking at the mirror in her quarters. She'd going, have I gained weight? He hadn't called me in 30 days. Is it my hair? Come on, don't shout me down. Maybe I need to get a new makeup artist. Why doesn't he want me? Has he found another one? Has he got another queen? Am I going away to the last one win? Now, guys are like, you know, they don't care. You know, my wife hasn't talked to me. Pass the, pass the food. I don't care. Give me some more, you know. <laughs> Have you ever heard a man say, these pants make my leg look big? You ever, you ever seen a man say, I don't know, I mean, I've gained a little weight, but maybe I need a new hairstyle. That's what it is. I'm, I'm going to dye my hair now, and that'll get me. I'm gonna... No, 
see, men, we, you know, like I said, women care, men don't care. You can tell. <laughs> you can just look and see. Okay, let's go on. So Esther dealing with all these insecurities and yet says, watch this, this is your time. So generosity is sometimes sacrificial. How many heard what I just said? Was Jesus sacrificial on the cross? Yes, he was. Did it create an incredible response? Yes, it did. So Esther says, all right, we're going to pray and fast three days, and then I'm going to go. He hadn't called for me in 30 days, but I'm going to go. And if I die, I die. Wow. But she says, I'm going to die obeying God. I'm going to die fulfilling my purpose. I'm going to be willing to sacrifice my life to do what God put me on this earth to do. And so generously, generously, this woman who had everything you could offer on this earth put her life on the line because she said, God's got a purpose for me. And what do we learn from Esther? It's not just about what you have. It's knowing why you have it. It's not just about counting what's in my accounts. It's about saying, God, why did you give it to me? It's not about just why am I living what I'm, where I'm living. It's why am I living here. It's not just what church I go to, but why am I hearing what I'm hearing? It's not just what is life done for me, but what am I doing with my life? Why do I have it? Why am I here? Why are we in the coronavirus? Because God wants to impact this nation with a church of generosity. It is the most important thing that we can do to understand God's not intimidated by this moment. God is looking for the next Moses, the next David, the next Esther, the next church that will step up his eyes are going to and fro around the earth saying, I want to show myself strong. I want to show up big time right now. I want to work through you right now. I want to change the pain and the hurt and the fear that's going through this nation right now. I want a church, listen to me, with all the rhetoric hitting us, telling us we've got to pick sides. We've got to line up and divide by race and by politics and by ages. We're just saying, no, 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 no. We're going to come together in the name of Jesus. And we're going to love and we're going to love and we're going to serve. And we're going to make a difference. And we're going to leave the rest of that to somebody else. But we're going to allow generosity to impact the culture that we're living in. We refuse to live in the status quo because God's too big for that. There's a lifestyle. I want you to put this up that we've chosen at Calvary. It's our, our mission statement. Maybe we hadn't said it in a while. And I want to close with this, but this is what we do. Here's our mission statement. I want you to read it out loud with me. We want who? Who? What does everyone mean? We want everyone we meet, anybody God brings our life in touch with, to do what? Not hear about, think about, experience, life. At the highest level, how does that happen? Through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's say it out loud again. We want everyone we meet to experience life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, when you and I begin to live our life at the highest level, the people around us want to live that kind of life too. When they begin to see the freedom you have because you're generous, the impact because you're generous, living your life at the highest level. I know why I have this talent. I know why I have this income. I know why God has blessed me with this. And we're living at the highest level, generosity flowing through our life. We begin to impact this culture that's trying to stop the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, 
Please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.